reach out to the vulnerable and needy within their community. And I first met Pastor David when he came down and visited me. He doesn't even remember. But I remember so clearly he came and visited at Teen Challenge and I was a student a very long time ago, about 20 years ago. That's when I first met uh, these guys. And I just felt led to ask them to come and join us this morning. And I really believe that Pastor David has a word in season for us this morning. So why don't you put your hands together? I'm struggling speaking through my nose. Uh, why don't you put your hands together for Pastor David? Well, good morning, everybody. Let's move this over. There we go. How's that? That's good. It's so good to be here. And you've got a great memory, by the way. I do remember going down there. Oh, there's a glass under there, is there? Not anymore. Not anymore, there's not. Um, that's okay. Well, praise God. There's always. Last time I went out preaching at a church, they had a high platform, this church, particular church I went to, to preach at, and it will remain nameless. And I saw it. They're sort of upper market people, so I thought I'd impress them and wear a suit. And they had steps to the side, and I thought, I don't need steps. I can leap up on that platform. Yeah, and I did. And as my legs were like that, going up on the platform, I heard this rip, and I ripped my pants. And then I thought, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. So I preached a whole sermon with my pants hanging down. And uh, it was great. We had a great morning. But, so that's nothing, have, spilling a bit of water. That's just, yeah. Well, we're just delighted to be here today. And um, I mean that sincerely. And I, I, I just felt excited about coming here during the week. I really feel that I'm meant to be here today. And I'm not here to use up your time. I just, by the way, I want to commend you for coming to church today. You should come to church every week. It's a good thing to come to church. All the best looking people are in church this morning. Amen. Amen. So keep coming. And you know, I love your name, Everyday Church. Who came up with that? Was that you? God. I saw your name was Melissa. <laughs> what a, come on, what a, what a great name. And, you know, um, this place has got a good vibe. Uh, it feels good. Uh, I like what you're doing. I like vision as well. And you're going to get your own building. That's going to happen. That's going to happen. And we all know about buildings and uh, the, what's involved with that. And, and God is faithful, you know. And so honor your pledges, and God will bless you for that. And always remember your pledges are over and above your tithing. Always remember that. Don't, that's not redirecting your tithing. Tithing actually, you know when you give your tithes, that's, 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 you're not giving to God. That, that's actually part of your worship. It's not a donation. That's what I'm trying to say, you know. So tithes, that belongs to the Lord. If you keep your tithes, you're robbing God. So we should always bring our tithes into the storehouse. You know, electronically or cash, however you guys do it. But the pledges are something different. Because that does take faith. And, and, and God honors you and he blesses you. And you know what? You cannot outgive God. So just, just let's get that $11,000. How long? Two more months to go? I think you're going to do that. I, I really do. So this has got a good vibe. And um, the other thing, I just want to say, honor you. Well done for being the pastor of this church. You and Jacob together. And... Um, People aren't putting their hands up these days to be pastors of churches, you know, and, and because it takes courage to be a pastor. So you need to pray for your pastor, amen. Honor your pastor and, and you know, and love on your pastor. Um, I've been married for 38 years to Rochelle, just to, just to quickly, because I know when you, you're not used to somebody, you're thinking, who is that guy? What's he about? Um, 
how did an ugly guy like that get a gorgeous looking lady like that? One of the mysteries of God. So Rochelle, would you like to stand to your feet so everybody knows who you are? Yeah, this is my baby. So, so we've been married for 38 years and uh, we have, it is 38 years. Yes. Yep, 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 yep. We started dating when I, in the youth group and I was 13 and she was 12. Yeah, can you believe that? <laughs> That's a long time ago. And we've got two sons. Um, uh, I, I brought some pictures. So, so that's my youngest son. That's Ben, his lovely wife, Shreep. And we've got two grandchildren. And we just love the grandchildren. Though that picture of him's not very good. Um, so that's Ben. They're in Melbourne. And uh, Ben's a youth and young adults pastor in a church there in Melbourne. And we've got Jared too. The, I think that was a slide before. And Jared lives in London. He works in London. That's my oldest son. But this is the thing. He's not married yet. So if anybody's interested, just to help us out there, that would be great. God bless them. Well, who's ready for the word of the Lord today? Put your hand upon your heart. Come on, let's pray. Father, we just pray that we'll have an encounter with God this morning. We just thank you for that beautiful worship. Thank you, Lord, that we sense the presence of God in this place today. And Lord, we just pray for one another that we'll all encounter Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, you give us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say to all of us today in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Okay. Amen. Are you ready? The greatest book in the entire world is the Bible. So I got my Bible here, which knocked over the cup of water. <laughs> I really didn't see the water, but anyway. Um, just out of curiosity, you know, the Bible's made up of lots of books. How many books are in the Bible? 66. How many books are in the New Testament? 27. How many are in the Old Testament? 39. You need to read all 66 books of the Bible. The first book is called Genesis which means beginnings. Well done, Rochelle. The, the last book in the Bible is what? Revelation. Not Revelations, it's Revelation. Revelation. So the first three chapters of Genesis, the, the first three chapters of Genesis gives us a glimpse into the deep past. And the deep past is about 6,200 years ago. That's about as far as back as you can go with human history. And, and Genesis takes us right back to the beginning of time. Whereas the last three chapters of Revelation take us into the deep future. It gives us a glimpse of what is to come. So Genesis and Revelation, they are the bookends of human history. And although they were written about 1,500 years apart, they're part of the same story of human redemption. So, can you, you can see the screen. We've, we've got... Just a couple, I'm going to do some comparisons between Genesis 1, 2, and 3 and Revelations, the last three chapters of Revelations. For instance, so Genesis 1, 1, do I need to move or are we all good here? You can read that. And so Genesis 1, 1, it tells us in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis, uh, whereas Revelations 21, verse 1 says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Genesis 1 says, the darkness he called night. And Revelation says, for there will be no night there. Genesis 1.16 says, God made two great lights, the sun and the moon. But Revelation 21 declares, and the city has no need of sun or moon. Genesis 2.17 says, if you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Revelation 21 says, there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. In Genesis chapter 3, Satan appears as a, the deceiver of humanity. 
But in Revelation 20, Satan disappears into the lake of fire forever. In Genesis chapter 3, we are shown a garden into which evil entered. You remember the story. But Revelation 21 says, in Revelation 21, we're shown a heavenly city where nothing evil will be allowed to enter. Genesis 3, uh, the walk of God with humanity is interrupted. But in Revelation 21, the walk of God is resumed. In Genesis 3, we're dismayed to see the initial victory of the serpent. But in Revelation 22, we see the ultimate victory of the Lamb. Praise the Lord. In in Genesis 3, it says, Cursed is the ground because of you. But Revelation 21 verse 4 says, There shall be no more curse. In Genesis 3, 17, it says, Humanity's dominion is damaged in the fall of Adam and Eve. That's what we see there. But in Revelation 22, humanity's dominion is restored in the reign of Christ. Praise God. In in Genesis 3, the first paradise was closed. While in Revelation 21, the new paradise is opened. In Genesis 3, access to the tree of life is lost in Adam. While in Revelation 22, access to the tree of life is regained in Jesus Christ. And in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve were driven from God's presence. But in Revelation 21, uh, as we glimpse into the deep future, the Bible tells us that we shall shall see his face. That's a good place to say amen. Praise the Lord. So the last three chapters of of the Bible make it clear that this uncertain, this crazy, this mad world is not your home. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad about that? It's mad out there. You're just a pilgrim passing through this brief life. Because, and because your real home is not a part of this world. We just lost a friend on Saturday, went to be with the Lord. His name's Eric. And I remember when he first came to Christ in our church. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? So when you come to Christ, you don't think the day's going to come when you're going to pass from this life into the next. How important it is that people know Jesus, their Lord and Savior. But you know, he died so well. He died so well. He was ready for Jesus. And he was talking about, I'm going to see Jesus. He died well because he knew he was a pilgrim just passing through. And you're a pilgrim passing through. Amen. Because of your faith in Jesus Christ, God has prepared a better, indescribable life in heaven for you. And heaven right now is getting ready for your arrival, though it probably won't be today. I hope. Especially not while I'm preaching. Therefore, don't get too attached to the things of this life. Don't get too invested in the things of this life like so many Christians do. In the twinkling of an eye, all the stuff of your life, the things that this world values and the the things that this world considers, it's all just going to pass away. Gone. Just gone. Instead, lay out for yourselves treasures in heaven. And be heavenly minded. Is somebody listening? And this is still the introduction, by the way. Be heavenly minded. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. Nonetheless, we understand that while we wait for the last three chapters of Revelation to be fulfilled, we've got to live in this in-between time where the world continues to suffer 
from the fall of humanity that is described in the book of Genesis. We understand that people all around the world continue to live under the shadow. There's a dark shadow. There's a dark shadow over Afghanistan right now. Hmm? People live under this dark shadow of spiritual darkness. However, everyday church, you don't live under that same spiritual darkness as everyone else. Instead, while you wait for eternity, you live under another shadow. You live under the shadow of the Almighty because you follow Jesus Christ. I'm talking about you. The shadow of the Almighty is your safe place in this dark world. And Jesus calls you the light of the world. Indeed, we are the light shining in the middle of this spiritual darkness, aren't we? Amen. Amen. But we must remember that because of our allegiance to Jesus Christ, the spiritual darkness around us is hostile territory. We're living behind enemy lines. It's getting pretty tough out there for Christians. And so while doing your best to live for God in this fallen world, there's this current of spiritual hostility that's constantly pushing against you, flowing against you, trying to put your light out. Has anybody noticed that? You know, when you go to work, people don't go, we're so happy that you're a Christian. Nobody says that to you. <laughs> this is current pushing against you and you feel it. And that's because the devil, who, who is real, and his mates, they're against you every single day of your life. And, and, and the devil and his mates, they dwell in spiritual darkness and they're completely hostile towards you and your family. And so consequently, you get tempted to sin. How many people here get tempted to sin? Not all of you. Put your hand up, dude. <laughs> you get tempted to go back to your past. You know, when the going gets tough, you think, oh, man. You face daily challenges that pressure you and discourage you. And sometimes you have crazy thoughts going through your head. Who knows what I'm talking about? You know, stupid thoughts sometimes come from the middle of nowhere, you know. You can even have crazy thoughts in church. Sometimes you're burdened with fear and trouble, you know. That's pretty common, isn't it? And all of that comes from the spiritual opposition that you face every single day of your life. And everybody in this room faces it, including Pastor Melissa. It's true. We all face the same struggles. And this spiritual opposition that we endure, endure also rules over the lives of people who are trapped in spiritual darkness. The Bible says the world, people don't realize this, you know, one of the songs we sing a lot, my mother is in a dementia unit, just to give an explanation context for why we sing this song. And every second Monday, my wife and I, we do a little service for the people who've got dementia. What's great about singing to them is that you can sing the same songs over and over again. They, can't, they think it's the first time you sang it. Anyway, it really is true. But anyway, let's not talk about that. But we keep singing, he's got the whole world in his hands. It's a nice song. But look what the Bible says. The world around us is under the control of the evil one. That's there in the Bible. <laughs> That's why the world's in such a mess. But thank God that in spite of the spiritual hostility, you don't have to be a doormat for the devil. Is somebody listening to me today? 
You don't have to be a doormat for evil. The Bible instead declares this over you. On the screen it says from Psalm 91, If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. Come on. You will trample upon lions and cobras. They're metaphors for the devil. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. You're not called by God to be intimidated by the struggles of life while you wait for your place in eternity. On the contrary, you are a child of God. You are an overcomer. Come on, come on. You are blessed. You are chosen by Him for greatness. And together, us together, we're called to make a difference in this hurting world. We're called to break down strongholds of the evil one. We're here to rescue people from the snares of the devil while we're waiting for heaven to come. Still the introduction. But while we, but this is it, we can overly, only overcome spiritual opposition and adversity by using God's mighty weapons, you see. See, you cannot defeat the devil by yourself. You cannot defeat the devil in your own strength. But we overcome the devil We overcome the devil by using God's mighty weapons. The Bible says this, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds. And then Ephesians 6 says, For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the high places. That's a very significant Bible passage. I want to emphasize that people are not our real enemies. Your wife's not your real enemy. They're not always so sure, are you? Amen. Your husband's not your real enemy. But our enemies are unseen. Absolutely. They are evil spirits. But evil spirits still exist. Here in Australia. They are the ones, the evil spirits are the ones that keep people trapped in their sins and in their fears. They're the ones who mess with our families and our kids who we love and our grandkids. It's evil spirits mess with them and they mess with with our neighbours. But when we use God's mighty weapons to break demonic strongholds, then God sets people free. And the name of Jesus is heaven's mighty weapon that has been given to you and to me. The Bible says in Philippians 2 verse 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's a powerful verse. And Jesus said in John 14, He says, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. Mark 16 verse 17, Jesus also said about those that believe, they will cast out demons 
in my name. Hallelujah. Now, come on, everybody. Actually, let's just have a pause break. Could everybody give me a big smile just for a minute? Just here. Could you show me your teeth? But just keep them in your mouth when you do. That would be nice. Just, just, just have a look. That's good. That's good. You, you know Jesus. Everybody in this, uh, as you were singing, I was listening to you sing, and I heard the amens, the clapping. You know Jesus. You follow Jesus. And so you have permission to use his name. So could you please start using the name of Jesus? It's interesting, isn't it, how the, how the name Jesus has been reduced to a curse word in our society. Oh, man. That's how much the enemy hates and fears the name of Jesus. But when a, a follower of Jesus Christ uses the holy name of Jesus against the work of the enemy, it is powerful and it is effective. So when you pray, listen, everybody, when you pray, pray in the name of Jesus. When you wander around your house, speak the name of Jesus over your family. You got trouble with the kid at home? When he's gone out, go into his bedroom, lay hands on his pillow and speak the name of Jesus. If you have to, get some oil, anoint his pillow, speak the name of Jesus. If you're feeling fearful, whisper the name of Jesus to encourage yourself. If you confront an evil, Demand the evil to go in the name of Jesus. If you feel unsettled, sing the name of Jesus. If you're talking to somebody about your faith, then talk about Jesus. Evil spirits flee at the name of Jesus that's been spoken by a follower of Jesus Christ. Have you got a stronghold that is resisting you? Then use God's mighty weapon, the name of Jesus against that stronghold. Amen? Amen. Prayer is also one of God's mighty weapons. And prayer is talking to God. And the Bible says this, James 5, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And God intervenes. And people need to understand this. You need to understand this, that, that God intervenes in the world or in someone's life according to our prayers. Other, otherwise, He's not going to intervene at all. That's maybe another subject for another day. So don't underestimate how important your prayers are. God constantly waits for your prayers. That's because God then uses your prayers to bring about His purposes. Therefore, it's so important to pray. Amen. Amen. Every day, give God your requests for your family and your friends and for our nation. I don't know if anybody's noticed it, but Australia is in an absolute mess right now. We should be praying for Australia. Pray for each other. (laughs) Pray wisely. Pray earnestly. Pray according to the gospel. Pray blessing for people. Pray salvation for people. Pray for people to be delivered. And pray for yourself. That's A-OK. Make prayer a regular habit. Pray to God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ. See, the mighty worries of the Lord that exert influence over the spiritual forces of darkness are the ones who pray. 
Want to make a difference? Pray. Want to see a breakthrough? Pray. Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint on their knees. So pray. Praise to God is also a phenomenal, mighty weapon against demonic forces. Psalm 149 says this. It says, let the praise of God be in their mouths and a sharp sword in their hands to bind their kings with shackles and their leaders with iron chains. The kings and leaders here in this passage behind me on the screen refers to powerful evil beings. So while praise to God brings liberty to a follower of Jesus Christ, praise to God also stifles the influence and presence of evil powers. Absolutely. Here's a, here's a, th- a thought for you. You put some music on. I, I like to go to the gym and I'm working really hard for it to make a difference. That's another story. But I forgot to take my headphones the other day. And so I had to listen to the music they had in the gym. And they had this screaming ACD. I don't mean any offense to anybody here, but seriously. And it was just screaming and it was grating me. And the atmosphere is not good. I prefer to listen to my own music, worship to the Lord, that sweetens the soul. It's all about atmosphere, isn't it? And praise to God stifles the influence and presence of the evil powers. In times gone by, um, there's been on occasions where I've had to go to somebody's home because there's an evil spirit there, something weird's going on in the home. And so you go to the home. I've been a few times where you cast out evil spirits. And the two weapons that I use to do that is the name of Jesus Christ and praise to God. They're the two major weapons I use against evil spirits in people's homes. Praise to God always brings the presence of God. And if the presence in your home is not right, if there's a lot of discord, a lot of anger going on in your home, then don't just sit there and take it. Do something about the atmosphere in your home and do something about it with praise and worship. Lift up the Lord in song and music and His presence will be felt. It's funny, Rochelle, isn't it, how we go to this dementia unit and we sing and um, like I said, my mother's there, Rochelle's father's also in there and a bunch of other people. But the comment we've had is that when we leave, and we just sing old hymns, that's what we say, and Wilson Matilda too. Um, <laughs> that's in there. Somehow that, that gets in there. Um, but the comment people make is, after we've left, they say, there's such a peace. There's such a peace. We know why there's a peace. is because we've been singing the name of Jesus and praising the name of Jesus. And these people aren't used to that, you know. But you could change the atmosphere in your home, own home through praise and worship. Now, if you live with people who do not like what you're doing, maybe you're the only Christian in your home, maybe you rent and you know, it's a bit of an issue for you to walk around praising the Lord with everybody else, Here's, this is what you do. You wait till they've all gone. Just wait till they've gone. And they can't stop you, can they? <laughs> your kid doesn't know that you're worshipping in his room or her room. Or your husband doesn't know what, you know, that you're praying over his pillow. Um, 
you know, and so when they're gone, you, you worship and praise the Lord and, uh, you know, and, and, and do something about the atmosphere. You know, there's numerous, numerous reasons why we should praise the Lord, but one of the, these reasons is because praise is a mighty weapon against the evil one. Amen. Amen. Okay, I've got about another 50 to go through here. Just, just joking. <laughs> Finally, the Word of God, the Bible, is another mighty weapon of God. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, it says, Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. One of the strategies of the evil spirits is to bombard your mind with untruths, with lies, all the time. All the time. Evil spirits try to set up strongholds in your thinking. So you become confused about the truth. And then that affects your faith and it affects your quality of life. And the way to bring down the stinking thinking strongholds in your life, which every Christian battles with this, by the way, the way you bring that down is to use God's word. Where you replace the junk in your head with a treasure of God's promises. For a show and lie in our family, this is just what we do. I'm not pushing this on anybody, though what we do is correct. <laughs> we don't watch horror movies. You know, I've got friends and people I know, and, and they're fine. They want to watch a horror movie, we go ahead. But all I know is if I watch a horror movie, that's going to be inside my head. And that could become a problem to me. And I've got enough problems going on. I don't need to put stuff inside my head that shouldn't be there. You know? So you've got to replace the junk in your head with the treasure of God's promises. For example, you may be faced with a terrible situation. Who's not faced with a terrible situation from time to time? Everybody who's breathing, right? Uh, you, know, you might be faced with a terrible situation. And, and you know, maybe there's going to be severe consequences coming your way because of that situation. And so your mind is filled with just worry and anxiety. And that's where the evil spirits operate. Then, then they, they, they come and they lie to you and they tell you, man, you're finished. You're gone. You will not get out of this one. You might have got out of that one before, but you are so finished. You are so over. You're going to lose your business. You're going to lose your marriage. You're going to lose your kids. You know, those kind of thoughts come inside your head. And what happens is you don't feel good about that. You feel depressed. You feel in despair. Well, what else can you do? What can we do as Christians? Well, we look for the treasure in God's Word. We must always go to God's Word. I, I, I get surprised by Christians in my life who've got stuff going on and they're going to go and see, and don't misunderstand what I'm saying, they're going to go and see this psychologist, going to go and get some medication. Great, great. But it seems there's all this, I'm going to see this person, that person, I'm going to do this, this, and God's down here. God's Word's down here. We need to be going to God's Word first, straight away, straight away. Here are two examples. Here's, it says in Isaiah 43, this is a classic uh, verse, it says, God says to you, when you go through deep waters, because you're going to over the next 12 months, that's inevitable. When you go through deep waters, God says you're going to drown and you're going to be finished. Is that what it says? No, 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 no. God says, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, and who doesn't go through those? But look, look at what he says. There on the screen, he says, you will not 
drown. You will overcome. You will come through. Because greater is he that's in you, come on, than he that is in the world. What about Psalm 91? Oh, this is such a great passage of Scripture. Uh, Psalm 91 says this, The Lord says, when you're going through a hard time, I will rescue those who love me. How many people in this room love the Lord? That's a good time to put your hand up. Amen. 100%. What does he say? I will rescue you. I, I will rescue you. I will protect those who trust in my name when they call on me. That's prayer. I will answer. I will be with them in trouble and I will rescue and honour them. Wow, wow, wow. Amen. Whatever you're facing, you will come through. You won't drown. You're not going under. You'll have another great story to tell. Amen. Amen. See, smart people park their heads in the good treasure of God's promises. So if worry comes your way, you go back to the treasure of God's promises. If you're feeling down and feeling blue, and sometimes, sometimes you get up in the morning and just feel yuck for no reason at all. Just because the Eagles aren't in the finals or whatever, just who are they? But no, jokes aside, sometimes you can feel, feel awful. You know, some, something we ate the night before, I don't know. But what, what can we do? We can go back to the treasure of God's promises. And when you keep feeding on such promises, your mind is set free. The Word of God is a mighty weapon. You know, I've nearly finished, but when Satan tempted Jesus, Jesus fought back with Scripture. He responded, Jesus responded constantly to the devil and he said, the Scripture says, the Scripture says, the Scripture says. And the truth and power of Scripture defeated Satan. In the same way, when you speak the truth of Scripture over your own life and over your own crazy thoughts, there's a power that flows from God that breaks the stinking thinking strongholds that make your life a misery. And so it's important to learn Scripture, for it's one of God's mighty weapons. One day, those last three chapters of the book of Revelation are going to be fulfilled. One day. One day, maybe you and I can connect in heaven, and we can have a flat white together. And we'll be talking about the wonder and glory of glory of God together. But until then, we're living in hostile territory and that's just how it is. It's always going to be hostile. The world's not going to get any better. Can I just say this? The world's not going to get any better. The Bible doesn't teach that. So we're living in hostile ter- territory. So let's not get too attached to the things of this world, but let's get more attached to Jesus Christ. Let's not retreat into ourselves, but let's look to help other people. And let's pull down demonic strongholds with the mighty weapons of the name of Jesus, prayer, praise, and the Word of God in Jesus' name. And that's all the words I've got for today. God bless you. Let's pray. Let's just, can we, can we just, we've got a couple of minutes left. Just, let's just pray. Come on, everybody. Actually, let's stand to our feet right now. Let's just, let's just make room for the Holy Spirit, shall we? You know, 
My intent today in bringing that message was not only to teach the Word, though I suspect most of you are very familiar with everything I covered today. I don't think there's probably anything new there that you haven't heard before. But what I'm trying to do today is I'm trying to spark faith in this place. I'm trying to remind you of the things that you know about and that you've walked away from. You know these things. You know these things. And today, let's just make room for the Holy Spirit because I'd like us just to break demonic strongholds. You know, sometimes, you know, the enemy's crafty. He messes with our kids, our grandkids, our relationships, stuff at home. And and without realizing it, so many times we, we kind of make a treaty. We don't verbalize it. But sometimes we go, well, that's the way my life is going to be. That's the way my son's always going to be. That's the way my daughter's going to be. That's the way that situation's always going to be. And without realizing it, we sort of make peace with a bad situation and, and we allow the enemy to hold that piece of territory. And we just do it because perhaps we get disappointed. We just do it because nothing seems to change. But we were singing that song a bit earlier. Even when we don't see it, God is working. God is working. Now, I just want to stir you up today and encourage you to take all of the land back off the devil. Take the promised land of God today. We don't make peace with the devil. We don't make peace with suffering or problems. We're here to overcome in the name of Jesus Christ. Maybe God's spoken to you today. and I just love, I'd love the privilege of praying with you today. And so as our brother just leads us in, in a bit of worship again, why don't you just come forward? I'd love to pray with you. I, I presume that we do that. That's all good. So just come. Why don't you make room for Maybe it's been a long time since you responded to an altar call. You know, you've been a Christian a long time. You stopped responding to altar calls. But today might be the day when you're going to get a Holy Ghost breakthrough. Maybe you do need to step forward in Jesus' name. So you come if you want prayer. Would you like to sing and please in worship? Come. Love to pray with you.